Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today, we have the honor to have uh, the mega deal expert, Christopher Engman with us. He's a serial entrepreneur, investor, but first and foremost, also a thought leader and visionary in B2B sales and marketing. As for example, founder of Vendemore, the first company focused on account-based advertising. Now turn into an expert on mega deals. We will today talk about his latest book, just called Mega Deals, and giving us all his thoughts and insights around this topic. So, with that short introduction, I would like to welcome you to the podcast here today, Christopher. Thank you, Jacob. It's my pleasure. Look forward to our discussion. So do I. Yeah, we, you have done so much uh, in your career concerning sales and marketing for B2B companies, and you have so many various experiences, but maybe you can just give us a little bit short background to who you are and uh, what you've been up to before you uh, now are working with mega deals and all that we will talk about later. But uh, yeah, just uh, a little bit about you and your background, Christopher. Right, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the short version is that I'm the author of the book Mega Deals, uh, but I'm also an investor in MarTech, sales tech, and sustainability scale-ups. Uh, in total 15, where I'm the lead investor in eight and another normal investor in seven. And some of the most notable cases are on top of Megadis itself, it's a company called Mine Storage, which is uh, creating batteries in used mines where you use water and gravity. Uh, it's actually the cheapest form of large scale sto energy storage in the world. Uh, and that's great. It's run by a team from ABB. Uh, Climb on, uh, which is, uh, has had a successful growth, and with now with Bill Gates and Richard Branson and Jack Ma and a few others as, as investors. Ad Rapid, which is from the south of Sweden, uh, is the first embedded ad editing solution in the world, being built into market automation and ad tech platforms. Uh, and there's a, an American Swedish case called mascot or proof analytics which is uh, the first automated marketing mix modeling solution uh, in the world and also Gothenburg uh, based company called Renable close to you guys uh, which they, they do um, you could call it OEM retargeting so they do retargeting but for product owners selling through e-commerce companies instead of just e-commerce companies it takes too long to explain but that's briefly what it is it's really great team and, 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 and so forth. And then InSync, which is uh, actually 2.0 of account-based marketing. You mentioned Vendemore that we created. We were the first ABM or account-based advertising company in the world. And InSync is the 2.0 version of it. Really cool company. But, but in brief, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned that I've been nerding around uh, B2B sales and marketing for a while, and, and that's probably true. Uh, one of the few things I've seen is that um, especially in enterprise marketing and sales, you have a seriously uh, 
big dependency on one to four rainmakers. So in most companies that do fewer and larger deals, and they don't have to be mega deals, they can be like medium-sized enterprise deals. You typically have a serious dependency on one to four rainmakers. On the, in the mid-sized companies, typically the CEO and, and one more person. And another thing I've seen is that the, the, the way the best salespeople work uh, is still valid, but you need to make the best salespeople more media. You need to make them, I mean, this is an example. We're now doing a podcast. Today, the classic sales meeting is not enough and even more accelerated by, by COVID. Um, so the classical great salespeople need to become more media. And then the B2B enterprise marketing teams, they need to become more deal-centric. They have been too broad and too, too wide in their scope, especially if you're in the the space of slightly larger deals, you need to have a tighter focused uh, focus. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I can kind of go on for a while. Now, but. <laughs> that's really interesting. And was, how, I totally agree that the dependency there on, on a specific uh, high performing sales individuals, but what, what was it when you stumbled upon, when you came to the conclusion that I need to write a book about this and, and build a framework about how to close mega deals. Was there uh, some pivotal point in your career? Or? Yeah, yeah, there are a few, a few, a few items. Uh, mainly three. So first of all, I retained twenty-four, which kind of I've been building companies since I was in fourth grade as a kid. But the first grown-up company I created is called Retain Twenty-Four, and is the leader in the Nordics anyway in gift certificate handling. But, but uh, before we created Retain 34, we actually failed uh, the same company. We, we, we built it up, but I couldn't get sales and marketing to scale because we, we sold to H&M and Lindex and the, the big retailers. And it was definitely an enterprise play, but it was all dependent on me. And I remember in the beginning, I was so proud of that. I was like, okay, I'm I'm Jesus. Everyone needs me. But then uh, it, it quickly turned into agony because I realized, oh, if I can't get this to scale beyond myself, I will fail. And we did fail. And it was because I couldn't crack the code on how to scale enterprise sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. That's one of the drivers behind mega deals. But another one, which is maybe more concrete, is that uh, during the Vendemore years, where I spent 10 years, we worked with over 100 Fortune 500 companies and over 400 B2B scale-ups. And we were primarily involved in doing marketing as a deal support towards their largest deals. So we, we've been involved in some really cool deals around the world. And, and I, was, I was running most of the workshops. So uh, I was the bottleneck on the workshop side of things uh, because it was very senior people in the room, typically people from the leadership team of some of the biggest companies in the world. The lead, the, the, the account managers, they were that run million dollar accounts. So they're kind of pretty senior. So I, I ran most of those workshops and that was a pain at the time, but it became an advantage because I've been in so many workshops working on the tactics around large deals, both sales and marketing. So I've seen probably more than anyone in the world from that space and from so many companies. So, so I started to create a, a PowerPoint material that I called mega deals already 10 years ago. And it got a lot of interest very fast and, and, and people started to contribute, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I also ask these people doing these multi-billion dollar deals sometimes, so what kind of literature do you read that are illustrating what you do? And they said, there is none. So it was very clear that no one in the world had done research and science and books around actually what is the second largest monetary flow in the world after M&A. So in most B2B companies, I don't know uh, about uh, Bright, Bright Vision, but in most companies, you have a serious dependency on one to 2% of the customer base. Uh, so most of the revenue is coming from a very small amount of clients. So uh, one of the biggest Swedish companies, for example, I don't want to mention their name, they have 80% of the revenue coming from 17 accounts. And this is a company, this is a Fortune 500 company, but 17 accounts represent most of the revenue. And if you look at those 17 accounts, if you ask people inside this company, so which individuals are pivotal to close these deals, they're pointing at four names. So in a company with almost 100,000 employees, there are four people that are critical to close the biggest contract. So the skill of doing mega deals is high, high value. And also uh, looking at the uh, a third motive, uh, a third trigger is that there are so many amazing innovations that either fail or reach big volumes too slowly. And you have owners and leadership team that work day and night and still fail. So, uh, and, and especially if you take the sustainability area, I think there are great green innovations in the world and we try to work with, with many of those. Uh, and they often have too many white-coated doctors running these companies, which is not necessarily bad, but they need to complement it with the skill of driving large deals fast. Mm. And yeah, I don't know, that was, that, those are kind of three big, so the Retain24 story, uh, my experience with Vendom or doing ABM for quite a list of companies. And then also the pain of watching these amazing innovations fail, uh, including my own first one. <laughs> so, Yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of listeners who can uh, identify with failed uh, startups or, or uh, failed yeah. innovation, which is yeah. always a, a pain since there many times are, are really good. But uh, that's so interesting story. And for, for those of the listeners who haven't been into sales or, or might know what the size of a mega deal is, is there any definition you use, you use to, to define a mega deal or how, how dependent the company is on a mega deal in order to make it into that category? Yes. So, so we have in our research in the book, we have defined what we classify as a mega deal. Now, a quick, a very important comment to that is that most of the companies that are engaging in our discipline are actually doing medium-sized enterprise deals. But the, the key of looking at the biggest deals in the world is, is the same as, so for example, if you and I, Jacob, are playing tennis, I'm sure we would amaze one or two people, but we're probably not that good. So it's probably better to look at Serena Williams, Federer, Djokovic, not, not the last thing he did though, but... Uh, uh, look at the best tennis players in the world. And in the, in the B2B sales and marketing world, you find those people in the multi-billion dollar deals. So there's very little room for mistake there. So we've been looking at the range from $10 million up to $15 billion. Uh, and, and then people say, well, $15 billion does, must, must, must be an M&A deal. No, no, no. It's a, that's actually an airline, as an air, airplane producer selling to an airline. So, um, so everything from or if you talk Swedish, so 100 million kroner to 150 billion kroner. Uh, 
that's what we've been looking at. But again, uh, what we realized quickly, and that was the, the, the start of it, but that what we realized quickly was that, whoa, there's a, an enormous need also for medium-sized B2B enterprise deals because they're not, you don't have literature and methods covering how to blend full funnel messaging, PR, marketing, sales into one discipline. You often have a sales expert, you have a social media guru, you have a marketing agency, you have a PR agency, and they are not working in a synchronized way. And the key to win larger accounts, regardless if you're on the $10 million and up level or below, is to work as one team. You need to work as a team to win that deal. That's, that's at least what the best in the world are doing. And I think many listeners can relate to that. So, so uh, another component of what is a mega deal, so it's typically, but this is again, doesn't have to be, but it's often a blend of hardware, software, and services. So it's not only one of them. It's typically selling a solution rather than a, one single product. And, and also another, a few attributes are, I mentioned this, you sell as a team and the customer is buying as a team. You're not selling as one, two individuals and the customer is buying through one, two, you're selling as a team and you're buying as a team. That's definitely an attribute in mega deals. And also the buying involves more than the client. It's not just the buyer. Typically you need to engage and convince uh, technical consultants, uh, other tech vendors that are sitting in the same customer. Some cases even have uh, politicians involved. Um, And for for medium-sized B2B is often... uh, the methods that are promoted to medium-sized B2B cases is just too simple. So we we talk a lot about orchestration as as opposed to sales method, because winning larger deals is about orchestration, not about dialogue techniques. Yes, you need to have a good way of running meetings and asking the right questions and so forth, but that's kind of the bread and butter. Then to be excellent, you need to add an orchestration layer. That's what we do. Ah, so interesting. And really good definitions you have there. So I think everybody could relate to that, even for a company like us who is fairly small, would like to, to close a mega deal, of course, because that can be really a change. Game changing, yeah. Exactly, that's a real game changer. And in the book, you describe a few things. You, you were in here and described the orchestration part and working as a team, but you have five cornerstones which are the fundament of the whole methodology. Yes. Can you please tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, sure. So, so what we wanted to figure out before looking at how to work, we want to figure out what is the DNA of a large deal, of a mega deal. And we, we came up with a lot of things, but as always, you need to stop somewhere. And there were five things that came up again and again in our research. And, and uh, these are kind of, if you understand these five cornerstones, you understand why certain things and certain technologies and certain marketing methods, et cetera, are important. The first one is that in order to get a large amount of money from a client, what you're selling needs to fit a key initiative. Typically, medium-sized to large companies have, uh, to, to drive their, their business plan forward, they have decided to focus extra on three to five normally key initiatives. You can call them strategic programs, big bets, must wins, uh, typically decided by the management team and the board. And in those key initiatives, you have the big amounts of money. 
that's the way for a large organization to be able to focus because if they just run 500 initiatives, they will fail. So they typically have three to five. So you need to fit with those. You use those as, as both qualifications, but also how to tweak your language, how to know uh, who to talk to, et cetera. That's the first one. So key initiative. The second one is understanding the deal ecosystem. And the ecosystem of stakeholders is, is ranging well beyond, as I mentioned before, the target organization. You typically need to influence other stakeholders around your target account. So yeah, technical, if you're selling something techie, it's technical consultants, other softwares, other, other hardwares that at least they, they cannot say, no, Jacob and the guys are no good. They should at least say, yeah, we, we haven't heard anything bad about them. You know, they should be neutral or positive. So to drive it, this is a lot like politics. You need to win a lot of votes. So you need to understand the ecosystem, which leads to the third point, which is driving consensus. When you understand the ecosystem, you also need to figure out, okay, how can I blend sales and marketing techniques to infiltrate and influence a pretty big amount of people? Some inside the account you're selling to and some outside. So, so uh, we call it consensus. The, the, the third, uh, sorry, the fourth point is a bit controversial, at least the name. So you have normally in sales, what's called the champions. Those are known and those are also important in the mega deal, but there's another stakeholder that is really, really critical in mega deals. We call them Trojan horses. Uh, you could call them informers as well. We have one uh, mega deal lady from Accenture and she's now at Microsoft. She calls them mushrooms. So typically people are lower in rank. They're sitting very close to the operations. Uh, they are not having the formal power. They might not even have any informal power, but they want you to win. So what they do is that they leak information to you. They give you guidance on who to talk to, who you're competing with, what the, what, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And, but they do it silently their way of exercising power is to leak information. Without exception, all mega dealers we've interviewed have said the same. If you don't have one or a few throwing horses, you will not win the deal. And I'm sure in your business, you, you've experienced this a lot where you feel on the customer side that there are, there are a few people that are kind of wanting you to win uh, and they, they are giving you information. So the key here is to look out for these signals and then take care of them and never out them. You can never say, oh, Stina or Lars in the previous meeting said this, this and that. No, 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 you need to stay very confidential. And, they, and you also typically uh, feed them by giving information back. So it's a, tr it's a transaction of information. So Troy and Horses, number four. Number five is, is probably the biggest one in larger deals. So a lot of sales and marketing people, and I'm sure both you and I, we're tr so trained to talk about value and differentiation. Value and differentiation, are, they're kind of, they're taking us through the door, but risk mitigation is the thing that closes big deals. Uh, so most large organizations, they rather pay a pretty hefty premium to get the low risk. So if you can reduce the risk for them in various ways, you can charge more, so higher profit margin, you higher win rate, et cetera, because bigger companies, they rather have 17% ROI as long as it's very secure than to have a 200% potential ROI, but it's a bit of a lottery. Even if the average outcome 
would be better for the 200% upside. They still cannot afford that failure internally. So they go for the safe options. Hence the funny quote about IBM that maybe not, yeah, I think it's still valid though. You, you're never fired if you buy from IBM. So uh, some of the best mega deal companies in the world are extremely good at risk mitigation. They even design it into their offering. So the whole thing is, is risk. It's not risk-free, but it's risk-reduced. So those are the five cornerstones. So uh, mapping what you're selling with a key initiative, or actually, if you're not mapping, exit. Two, understanding the ecosystem. Three, using the ecosystem to drive consensus. Four, Trojan horses. And five, risk mitigation. Oh, that's great. Thank you for laying out those uh, really interesting uh, uh, cornerstones for, for uh, learning how to drive a do mega. Think, do you think they make sense? Yeah, you, you probably you sense. probably come across these. They are very logical, I think. And, and uh, even though I haven't closed a mega deal or even uh, probably proposed one either, <laughs> uh, I think it makes sense. Even though scaling it down uh, quite a bit uh, to the area. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, as we we get the feedback, a lot of companies doing mid-sized deals are like, yeah, I can I can totally use 90 percent what you're talking about. Some things are a bit overkill, but but uh, again, most other literature and expertise around the medium-sized B2Bs are just too simplified. It's too much about the dialogue and too little about orchestration. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's really interesting point you're making there. So for, for an, uh, a company who, who would like to develop, develop their skills in this area, where do you train them most? Where do you see the most lack of competence or orchestration or where do you see the need for taking steps, becoming better in this area? Right. I mean, uh, there's, uh, if, there's one, there are two actually very simple areas. They're simple to explain, but it's not necessarily easy to, to execute on. Uh, the first one is to take, um, so, so most um, salespeople, even the best, are uh, fairly analog. So the, the statement is to take the star salespeople and make them more media make them more media trained, how to act in front of a camera, how to be on stage, how to use social selling, how to uh, be in a podcast, how to run a webinar. Uh, and, and you can probably relate, like it, it's not, especially now during Corona, it's not, you can't even visit a client. So what do you do? You need to, and I think that's one of the reasons why we grow so fast. Like now it's not an option anymore. You need to become way more digital and fast. It's, it's not a nice to have anymore. And the, the second easy win is to make the, the B2B enterprise marketing team more deal-centric. They are typically too um, lead generation-centric, to make them more deal-centric uh, and blend tactics that are not just top of the funnel, but also mid and bottom of the funnel um, to really work hand-in-hand -hand with, with sales. And also this goes into content development as well. We see a lot of companies that are spending too much money on top of the funnel content, but what's really eating up salespeople's team is, is what's happening between the sales meetings where the clients are having a ton of questions. So we, we uh, uh, in the book, we have a chapter called the messaging architecture. It's the fundamental messaging, which is driving the customer from unaware to wanting to buy. It's still closing messaging that's moving the client from wanting to buy to actually buying. And then there's orientational messaging that is making the topic 
bigger and increase the audience. But the deal closing messaging is very important because that's where if you do a time study on salespeople, they spend most of their time bottom of the funnel answering a gazillion of questions. So instead of answering those questions again and again, make 20 short videos or, or you know, make content that answers those, most of those questions and then salespeople can, can, uh, can with, with themselves work on the things on top of that. Uh, and you, you even see in smaller companies, and I'm sure this happens to you, Jacob, like you have a salesperson that met a client and the client, before they want to buy, they have 200 questions, no, not 200, but they have many questions. And you end up, because you're kind of the last in the line, you end up answering these questions, sitting there 9.30 in the evening answering email questions. So that's an example of deal closing content. If you can move that into videos and articles and checklists and you know, easily consumable, digestible formats, that's a quick win. And it frees up time so that the most valuable salespeople can be more in the penalty area. Oh, that's great uh, tips and tricks there. Do you see um, uh, a trend for around companies in general uh, that you come in contact with that we're moving into this direction? Or I do, yeah. So I, I, have, I have an analogy. So uh, you, you're probably interested in politics. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So if you, if you study political elections, if you look at them 20 years ago, it was TV broadcasted debates, it was news articles, and you got the folder in your mailbox about the political programs. Now, the political elections are a, a digital media and social media war. Uh, you take, for example, Cambridge Analytica that helped Obama, now they did some illegal stuff, but that's not the point. They, they have very specialized companies that help them win elections because it's such a complex war happening in digital media. B2B sales is going through the same development, but with a delay of a few years. The superstars in the B2B space have already figured out this out. So they're already running the media and social media war. Uh, and they are getting an upper hand over the ones that are sticking to only the old school stuff. So, so that's, a, that's a huge trend and, and it's interesting to look at um, political elections in parallel. We, we have Anna Schimberbatra, maybe not known to all listeners, but she's a very high profile Swedish politicians and business person. So she's a part of the Megadils team. And uh, uh, she, she totally, she, uh, she actually thinks that one of the reasons why uh, she, their party struggled in the last elections was that they were way Far, I mean, far behind in how to run the media game. Uh, and, and in big deals, winning votes is, is very important. It's the same in, as in polit political elections. Um, so yeah, th that's one huge trend. And I think you, uh, you guys see the same. That that's, the political elections are kind of the front runner here, but B2B sales is quickly following. Um, Mm. Like one of the things we did, so Climo was, uh, was my last uh, big investments where we drove uh, the, the contracting from, th from three to $90 million in two years. Um, and uh, we made everyone in sales and a few other people media stars. So we built their profiles and we put them in videos and articles and we really exposed them as individuals in ads. So when those salespeople went out to see the client, they met a client that was a bit starstruck. They're like, oh, 
Oh, and we're so honored to have you here. You seem to be so busy. We see you everywhere and, and it's so great to have you here. Instead of sitting in the reception, the client is, the, the, the customer is 10 minutes late. Like, oh, oh, you're here, yeah. What was it again we should talk about? Like completely different experience uh, of selling. And I have my own experience. I came into climate. I have no history. I had no history within the energy space and even less in the new energy space, but I, I ran sales and marketing there for two years. And we spent a lot of time trying to understand the full energy system. So, and also I used the messaging architecture from the Megadis book and the techniques we used there. And in exactly one year and three months, I was, uh, I was asked to be one of three keynote speakers in the biggest conference in the world for our area uh, in Iceland with the Icelandic president, the president in the worldwide organization and myself the other vendors were paying hefty money to have a roll up and a booth uh, and I could be on stage. And that was one year and three months after not knowing anything about, about energy basically, but I did play the media game and together with my team. So, so we, we really, uh, we really did the Cambridge Analytica play, but not around a political election, but around B2B sales and marketing. And I remember we met the CMO of, of Alpha Laval and he was like, wow, you guys must have an enormous marketing team. I said, well, we're five people. He was like, what? Five people? That's crazy. We can see you everywhere. I mean, you're way more visible than we are. And they probably, I don't know, they probably have more than 100 people. Uh, so so I, I don't know that. That was a guess. But, uh, but just by running the, the media game uh, uh, with ABM, social selling, full funnel content, uh, reference cases, videos, articles, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we have in the Megadis book, we have a, a systematic approach for it. We also have a, a file that is not in the book, which is a big Excel where you can see exactly what type of content to run where, at which length, what you should focus on in the script and so forth. So, so you can basically become a bit industrialized around the marketing to win slightly larger accounts. Wow, that's a great story. Thank um, you. Yeah, fantastic, and I know, uh, and I know you have been uh, really successful uh, accelerating several companies. So uh, great, great to hear behind the scenes <laughs> uh, story how you did that, and uh, fantastic. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we need to wind down now because our thirty minutes have have passed very, very quickly, and you have so many insights you have shared so freely with us. But uh, I know there is, apart from the book, of course, which I recommend everybody to buy, Mega Deals. Where can they find more of you, uh, your content, Christopher? And uh, how can they connect with you? Great. So uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. So Christopher Engman with an E. Uh, and you can also find me and the team and the book on megadeals.com. Uh, but the book is also available on Amazon. And, and for example, here in Sweden, all the you go on online to all of the books, bookstores have it. Uh, you can also uh, follow the Megadis podcast uh, and we do quite a few webinars. If people, there's actually a 50 minute video Megadis executive summary that is not published online uh, deliberately, but if people ping me, I can send the link to that, to that private link basically. But then we, I mean, we do everything from uh, one to two day workshops, one, one hour inspirational seminars, uh, maybe the coolest thing we do, which I, I'm mostly passionate about, is that we actually do the, the Cambridge Analytica thing. We come in and support from the background one to 10 high priority deals for uh, our clients. So 
we're, we're, we're doing the sales coaching, but we're also supporting with content and advertising main thing to infiltrate the ecosystem around each of these deals. And we run it on a risk reward basis, which is really fun. Uh, that's my favorite thing we do with our clients. Uh, it's more like a, yeah, instead of selling the hours, we're, we're taking part in the upside, um, which is really fun. Yeah, so that's great. So if somebody listening in wants to have help to close the mega deals, they, then they know where to contact you, Christopher. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you and I wish you all the best with uh, all your initiatives and the mega deals consulting, uh, uh, of course, uh, as part of that. But uh, thank you thank so you. much for your time. Thank you, Jacob. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.